It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. We're into the final half hour of today's episode. Very much looking forward to this next conversation. Uh, you know about self-defense, right? We have for you know so, so long on this program certainly talked about the Second Amendment, uh, the importance of that Second Amendment. And even yesterday, we heard during a Senate hearing in the United States Senate between uh, Attorney General nominee Merrick Garland and Utah's own Senator Mike Lee, uh, both of the gentlemen reminding us that self-defense is a crucial part of the Second Amendment. It's not just about well-regulated militias and it's not just about uh, suppressing tyranny. No, it also includes the fundamental right to defend yourself. And from time to time, that unfortunate scenario arises where you do need to defend your life or the lives of your loved ones with a firearm. And it's not always clear-cut. It's not always clear uh, how that will play out. In fact, I've heard anecdotally that there are some, play out in the courtroom that is, I've heard uh, some anecdotal stories where individuals will be armed with a firearm, will be faced with with life-threatening danger, And for fear of the financial or logistical consequences of drawing that firearm, they have remained in harm's way and even sustained injury to themselves uh, in in that hesitation. Well, what if there were a way to to ease the mind of those who could potentially defend themselves in this situation? Well, there's a piece of legislation on Utah's Capitol Hill right now, sponsored by Representative Carrie Ann Lisenby, uh, which would address that very issue. Uh, Representative Lisenby joins me now. Uh, ma'am, how are you? Welcome to the program. Thank you, Lee. Appreciate it. So tell me what your piece of legislation would do exactly. Based on uh, my characterization, unless I was misleading folks, uh, where would your piece of legislation step in and aid uh, in in those circumstances? Well, Great question and and great introduction. And I I don't know that I would say that that this should ease the minds of people. We should always be very cautious in in using a firearm, even in self-defense. But uh, that's why we do training. That's why we uh, prepare for the hopefully um, the thing that we never have to do, and that is defend ourselves using deadly force. And so, uh, but self-defense is a a right that has been enshrined in every free society, uh, and it's an important right, and it's a fundamental right. And so what this bill does is it follows a a Florida statute. Florida passed this bill in 2017. And so because um, what we're seeing is people taking concealed carry classes and walking out of the concealed carry class and saying when it's explained to them the the amount of financial burden they would take on themselves if, for a jury trial if they happen to use their 
firearm in self-defense or if they had to defend themselves using deadly force, um, these individuals are just walking out of class and saying, I would rather die than ruin my family financially. And that's a horrible choice to make. And, and the instance that you brought up in your introduction is similarly a horrible uh, circumstance to find oneself in. And so this bill just flips the presumption and it says that the state then needs to prove with clear and convincing evidence that an individual did not act in self-defense in a pretrial hearing. So it circumvents the expense of a trial. It uh, it adds, Christine Watkins is running a companion bill that adds a motion to the rules of criminal procedure for motions in courts. And and so this, this motion can be raised any time uh, prior to 28 days before a trial, and then the individual who's trying to defend himself can raise this motion and have a pretrial hearing uh, to to cause the the state to have to meet that burden. Sure. Is there a case or an instance or a constituent that came to you and brought your attention to this? Otherwise, why uh, does this rise to, you know, the level of attention in your office such as to to bring forth legislation? So I appreciate that. As you know, um, every year I work on the Hill on Second Amendment issues, and I... um, This was brought to me by one of the foremost attorneys in Utah who works on these types of cases. And what he was seeing was these frivolous prosecutions that were causing people to have to go through long and and financially burdensome processes to have their names cleared when it was clear, it was a clear-cut case of self-defense or defense of another. And so um, the bill, I thought, immediately when it was introduced to me. It was a great idea. Um, I've introduced it. I've had a lot of conversations. It's been kind of a moving target for the first little bit of the session, but tried to be responsive to everybody's concerns as we're discussing a new policy. And and I think in the end, it's going to be very helpful for um, for all people who find themselves in that awful situation of having to use deadly force to defend their life. Final two questions. Have we learned any lessons in the Florida example? And two, uh, will this make it, do you believe, uh, through and on to the governor's desk? Uh, Great questions. Thank you. So it, it hasn't been used in Florida that much. And and I think that goes that speaks to the rarity, but also the severity of these cases in individuals' lives. And so the fiscal note on the bill is quite low. It's $3,000. And I think that shows also that it, we don't anticipate a lot of cases, but these cases can be devastating when they do come up. And so um, it, it, it maybe will, will have a huge impact on individuals' lives, but it might not be widely used. And, and that's okay. That's still a good law, in my opinion. And I do believe that it will make it through the process and end up on the governor's desk. All right. Very good. Uh, Representative Carrie Ann Lizenby uh, on self-defense amendments right now before the Utah State Legislature. Thank you for your conversation and your information on this. Thank you. Uh, Have a great day. You do the same. We're going to take a a quick break here. And when we return, I want to talk to you about uh, the vaccine. We haven't touched too much on uh, COVID-19 on today's program, but there's been some polling recently released here in the state of Utah indicating that Utah's attitudes regarding the vaccine have shifted dramatically. How dramatically? I'll share that with you next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. 
I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.